back in, listeners. Happy holidays to you, to a wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a true theater legend we're honored to have here. And of course, that legend is the creator and performer of today's show, Guy Masterson. He's joining us today to speak about his one-man show, A Christmas Carol, which is playing December 20th through the 30th at Soho Playhouse. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting SohoPlayhouse.com. This incredible, incredible artist of stage and screen is joining us today, and we are so honored to have him. So let's welcome on our guest, Guy Masterson. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We've been talking about your one-man show, A Christmas Carol, which is yep. phenomenal. And it's, you know, it is the season for A Christmas Carol, but your particular show is different from yes. all the other ones that are being done across the city, across the country. Can you tell us a little bit about your version of A Christmas Carol? Yes, well, I am. I'm kind of known for taking classic texts and uh, stripping them naked, if you like, and then recreating them with the story central to it. And the, and the story of Dickens' A Christmas Carol is, as we know, incredibly powerful and very, very poignant, touching, important. Uh, a reminder of what goodness is, and and for us to turn our back on the negativity and the cynicism of the world. So what I do, I I do what what I would term as a more visceral version. I don't dress up as Dickens. I don't wear the top hat. I don't wear the little glasses and the bobble and and and, and the nightcap and the and the nightgown and the slippers. None of that. I am every man. I come out and I literally morph into every single character of 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 the story. And so the narrator is me. And I literally switch into every character as they as they appear. So there's conversations between Scrooge, who is described as having a grating, annoying voice. And and then you've got Cratchit. He says, oh, yes, Mr. Cratchit, Mr. Mr. Scrooge, if quite convenient, sir. And uh, but it's not just voices. It's physicalization as well. So I, I morph, I dance, I become all the characters uh, throughout the story. And, and through that, you are told the story. And it is the original Dickensian text as Dickens himself used to perform it without that cuts. Is, that is amazing. I love all that. So we kind of were talking a bit about how this came to be. Could you kind of recap that? How did you come to develop this one-man show? Well, I, I I wanted to approach it in the same way that I did Under Milk Wood by Dylan Thomas uh, and Animal Farm, which is, again, strip it all back to its basics. And where is the essence of, of the show? And, and of course, it's a literary masterpiece. So that, that's a great place to start. When I took on Animal Farm, uh, Under Milk Wood, my mission was to say all the lines in the correct order as as Dylan Thomas wrote them, leaving nothing out. Animal Farm was different because it was originally a novella. So I had to adapt that myself. But my challenge there was to maintain the sentence structures, which were recognizably Orwellian throughout. And then I transferred all the uh, most of the narrative into dialogue. Uh, Christmas Carol was already written for performance by Dickens. And he had a 90, 95 minute version that he used to recite. And he made 
a lot of money touring it around the country and to America, I understand. And he was well known for reciting it. I wanted to take that piece of literature and bring it alive and not in the traditional way of dressing up uh, in Victoriana, but I wanted to make it modern so that it would it would it would resonate among young people to say that this the essence of Christmas Carol has not changed in over a hundred years. We are still grappling with the same issues and the same idea of having wasted a life, one life's opportunities misused, if you like to quote from the play, that we have to come face to face with ourselves at some point and and try to lead a better life. And so the show resonates. So I came to this because I did a reading of it in London in nineteen in 2016 and absolutely fell in love with the literature of it and also the response of the storytelling uh, to the audience from the audience. And I thought this is a per it's a perfect story. And it's got it's naturally theatrical. So it it suits my style of visceral performance storytelling. And so that's why I took it on. It's so cool. It's so wonderful. Now, you had mentioned a little bit ago that this is the first time you're bringing this piece to New York City. Yes. I'm wondering, what has it been like developing this iteration as you're getting ready to bring it to the Soho Playhouse? Well, the show doesn't need much reiteration. I think it's, it is a, it's a show that it exists. By the time I get to Soho Playhouse on the 20th of December, I will have played it 45 times around Great Britain. So it's the la it's the last leg of my 2023 tour, uh, and this is uh, my sixth tour, having done it in 2017 and every year, including the COVID year. I, I did it that that Christmas too, although limited performances, and audiences were separated, masked up, and all of that. God, I remember that. Um, don't we all? And I have played it in America before. I played it at Yale University. I think that was in 2018 and Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which was which was fabulous. And but this is the first time I'm bringing it to my father's my father's homeland, New York. My father was a violinist. He studied at Juilliard. And uh, when I was in town for The Shark is Broken, which I directed, wandering around the streets of New York, knowing that my father had trod the same streets, that was quite a romantic thing. And of course, I went up to the Lincoln Center. Uh, and I saw Camelot, which was another very emotional uh, uh, experience for me. But yeah, New York is a very special place to me. And even though I sound British uh, and I've been brought brought up and raised here, I'm uh, I'm Welsh American, and um, New York is kind of my, I think my spirit, one of my spiritual homes. Oh. South Wales being the other one. Well, we are happy to call you a resident. It's so beautiful. <laughs> now, I feel like everyone knows the classic tale of, of uh, A Christmas Carol, but with your show, is there any special message or thought that you're hoping that audiences take away from your piece? Absolutely. Well, firstly, uh, being British and having grown up in London, the, the piece is very Dickensian, very London in its essence. The accents are authentic. The language is authentic and powerful. And I am... I'm very pleased to be able to to say that it's very different to any Christmas Carol I've been aware of, and 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 most of the audiences that uh, have responded to it 
some have said, and I, I don't want this to sound like a boast, that it's the best Christmas carol they've seen because of its authenticity and, and its power. So that's what I want to bring. I want to I want people to re re-experience Christmas Carol without the schmaltz, without without the big bells and whistles, without huge sets and Victoriana and glitzy costumes and all of this. It is just the essence of the story and my and the power of my storytelling, which 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 makes this work. And I do urge I do urge people to come to see it for that for that purpose. You won't see an, a Christmas Carol like it. Wonderful. And that is actually a great lead into my final question for this first part, which is who do you hope have access to a Christmas carol at Soho Playhouse? I hope that, well, I hope that anybody who wants to hear a, a piece of powerful literature done in its raw form, leaving no prisoners, essentially. If you want to, you sit down in a room with me with this particular piece. And you will come out as if you've been through a wind tunnel, emotional wind tunnel. And that's what I that's what I want to get from the audience. I want them to go, wow, I didn't realize this piece was so profound. You know, a lot of people think of Christmas Carol as part of their Christmas. It's a charming, lovely story. It's much, much, much more than that. So um, I would like anybody who loves powerful theatre to come along to it. second part of the interview i love to let our listeners get a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more pull the curtain back as it were and especially with such an incredible artist as yourself i would love to have the honor to do that and i'd like to start by asking you our perennial first question which is what or who inspires you what playwrights for instance or composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites well, off the top of my head, Dylan Thomas is my favorite writer of all time, being a Welshman. And I, his creativity is second to none. He invents his own language almost. He is almost like the Welsh version of William Shakespeare. And my Lord, he had a very interesting relationship with New York. Of course, he did several tours of New York and uh, of, of America and particularly New York. And of course, he died in New York on the 9th of November. 1953 very sadly but yes his work inspires me very much of course Shakespeare I love most all of Shakespeare's sonnets I set out to learn them all at one point sadly didn't didn't fulfill that particular dream but who knows I'm still alive and musically I love sometimes absolutely love sometimes Sweeney Todd again I tend to move away from the schmaltzy stuff and Sometimes Sweeney Todd really, really gets me. I wish I'd seen the one on Broadway. I used to love Camelot, and I saw the one at the Lincoln Centre, which was very interesting seeing it on Broadway. Peter Schaffer is a British playwright, Amadeus, Equus, uh, that kind of thing. Very psychological, very powerful. Love it. You know, so I'm inspired by really great playwrights. I mean, Edward Albee, of course. And I should remember the name, the guy who wrote The Crucible, of course. 
He's he's of rather course, good. Arthur Miller, yes. Arthur Miller, yeah. Now, yeah, I used to read a lot more than I do now, but uh, in, inspiring performers, you know, I'm I'm pretty much inspired by everybody I see. It's 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 very rare that I I see a performance that that doesn't work. I I do celebrate performers a lot as a director. I I celebrate them, and as as a as a fellow performer, I when I go to see them, I I'm. I want I want the whole thing to succeed. I want to completely lose myself in it. I just worked with Colin Donnell, and I'm, why am I forgetting the name of the cast in The Shark Is Broken? My cast with who I directed. <laughs> it's it's insane. Anyway, they were fantastic. That was great fun. I was only lucky enough to see a couple of Broadway shows whilst I was there, but because you know when you're actually in in production for a Broadway show, there's no getting out of that theater. You're there until. You're there until the, the 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 opening night. Every night you're there taking notes, and then the next day you're on a plane home to London. So it, sadly, it was I wasn't able to enjoy as much of Broadway as I'd have liked to. The double-edged sword of working in the live theater there. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Yes. What was New York like? I don't know. I only saw the inside. The of Golden the theater. theater was beautiful. It was. <laughs> I love that. By the way, I, at the Golden Theatre, the show before us was Prima Facie. And my my joy was to be the first British producer of Susie Miller's work in, 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 in Edinburgh. And so I kind of introduced Susie Miller to, 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 to Britain. And uh, I was so thrilled when, um, when I saw that uh, jo Jodie Comer was doing it for her. And I saw it advertised for long before Jodie actually did it. And of course, Jodie is so amazing from Killing Eve. It was hardly a surprise that she was as brilliant as she was. But then I saw her do it in the West End and I saw her do it on Broadway. She was just mind blowing. So proud of her. So proud of Susie as well. Oh, brilliant show. Brilliant. And yeah. so, so infuriating too. I left the theater yeah. just so upset and wanting to do more so but that is a yes and, that, and isn't that what great theater does and that's Susie's that's the mark of Susie she's a she's a human rights lawyer she's most of her work legal is all about those dark corners of the law that don't work properly and she brings them to light which is great yeah well let me ask what is your favorite part about working in the theater I think the live aspect uh, of direct communication with an audience, you know, I love working on film. Absolutely love it. And I love the pampering. I love the makeup. I love, you know, sitting there. Uh, and, and I love the fact that you can get it wrong, get it right as many times as you, uh, as you want. What, what I love about theatre is you're there. You have to live it. You have to be in the moment. And there is no, there's, there's no room for, if you come out of that reverie, you're telling lies, basically. You've, you've got to be in the moment. And the challenge of that is is exciting. When it works, I don't think there's anything like it. That that communion with an audience, to me, is, is, is sacrosanct. And my job as a performer is to ensure that it comes together. Ultimately, as a performer, you are the, you're the generator of the energy of the room. And an audience wants to go with you they bought the ticket they do want to go with you but it's almost like you have to sort of make it okay for them to join you bring them into the play and keep them there 
and then spit them out at the end and they go oh what just happened it was a you know to me that's a a, a magical incredible thing i as i mentioned to you i i happen to be the nephew of of of, of richard burton and all growing up i was told by relatives and people oh my god what a great stage performer he was and of course i'd only seen him on film and and he was good obviously he was good you a film star but you know all through everyone said burton is that is the is is the consummate stage performer and finally i got to see him on stage in private lives with elizabeth taylor in 1993 a year before he died and I saw it. I saw what people talked about. It was almost like when he walked out, he glowed with this presence, this charisma, absolutely glowed. And much as I love Elizabeth, I mean, God, she was my aunt for a little while. She she did not glow like Richard did. And you could not take your eyes off him. And I experienced that. And, and that really, that was before I became an actor. That really w- was an interesting thing. I, 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 I went for that. When I became an actor, I said, what is it that he had that, that was so charismatic? What was that presence? What was it? And I think it was a level of concentration mixed with his natural charisma that produced this sort of laser beam of communication that he had. And I think great performers, stage performers, have that power. That is brilliant. Wow. <laughs> I mean... Way to jump kind of onto my favorite question or lead into it with that. Okay. That is, what is your favorite theater memory? I'm so excited to hear yours. I mean, (laughs) it's been incredible Uh, so far. Well, it depends as as an audience. I remember watching this brilliant actor whose name has just gone straight out of my head. I will find, I remember he he played Hamlet at the Royal Court in London. He's a knight of the realm now, and I will remember his name. But he played the ghost as if he was possessed by the by the ghost, the spirit of the ghost. And it was mind-blowing for me. I was only 18 watching him. And I will remember his name before the end of this, and I'll blurt it out. So that was, as, as an audience, that performance. As a director, I directed a, a very big production of 12 Angry Men featuring stand-up comics and everybody was expecting these stand-up comics to you know make a mockery of this great great play and of course they didn't they played it dead serious and it was a huge hit but the moment I'm talking about was the first performance in front of an audience and none of us knew how it was going to be but it was so powerful that there was a silence must have lasted it felt like a minute but it, it obviously wasn't but it felt like a minute and and the lights went down, they came up, nobody applauded. And then suddenly the whole theater, 680 people just stood and cheered. And I remember the comedians who weren't expecting that at all. Some of them were crying. And these are hardened stand-up comics, people like Bill Bailey, for God's sake. And, you know, they were they were got by the moment. That was one of my most extraordinary moments i think as a director you know you have a different experience of theater you have it from the the perspective of having kind of pieced it all together in the rehearsal room and then giving it to an audience and seeing what the reaction is as an audience member 
you're hoping for those moments which just suck you right in and you you almost audibly gasp at a moment <laughs> and you 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 feel uh what makes a piece work seeing judy dench live seeing maggie smith live you know things like that robert Lindsay, you, you know and they've all had their moments uh, and and it's what keeps me in in the theater i think and has kept me in the theater for 40 years wow wow what incredible memories i yeah. wish i could have seen that production of 12 angry men it's one of my favorite plays and movies that just that sounds incredible thank you so much for sharing those my pleasure it's, it's one of the great plays of the canon absolutely yes yes do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you <laughs> well i wish you could plug uh, i i'm 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 just having to revamp a, a one man version of animal farm that i did i had recast it with this brilliant young actor and he was going to do it for me in january in a very high end theater called wilton's musical the oldest musical in the world in london in whitechapel and it was a you know and unfortunately due to personal reasons he had to pull out last week and there's not enough time between now and then to cast and learn such a big solo show. So guess who has to do it? Me. So yes, I'm going back on the stage to do Animal Farm in January, which I haven't done for 10 years, but I'm sure that I'll somehow learn the lines. I just need to lose about 20 kilos. And over the holidays, nonetheless, you know. <laughs> well, I am doing, as I say, 45, well, 50 performances of, of Christmas Carol, which should help me lose weight, believe me. <laughs> I'm drenched in sweat at the end of it. That sounds incredible, though. And that leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about A Christmas Carol or about you, maybe yeah. they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Uh, well, my website is theatertoursinternational.com, theatertoursinternational.com. I have a, a Wikipedia page, apparently, and there is there's a lot of information about the show there. And there will be a teaser on there about uh, with Christmas Carol, about the style that I perform it in. I was inspired by an actor called Stephen Burkhoff. And when I saw him perform back in the, the early 90s, I remember thinking, oh, OK, you can do far more in acting than just use your neck and your head. So I, I decided to use my whole body. And it's remarkable what the whole of you can do rather than just your neck and head. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's what I do. I love it. Well, Guy, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a true a honor and it's been so much fun. I wish we had more time to talk because the, the wealth of knowledge and stories and everything you have, I, I could listen to you just speak for hours on end. So thank you so much. <laughs> Bless you. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I'm looking forward to meeting you when I come out and to all your listeners, I am so looking forward to seeing what you make of this Christmas Carol. Yeah. So see my, you there. Yes. <laughs> my guest today has been the incredible creator and performer, Guy Masterson, who's bringing his one-man show, A Christmas Carol, to the Soho Playhouse December 20th through the 30th 
You can get your tickets and more information by visiting SohoPlayhouse.com. We also have some other contact information for Guy that we'll be posting on our episode description as well as on our social media post. But make sure you join us this holiday season down in Soho at the Soho Playhouse for this incredible and unique telling of A Christmas Carol with this amazing theater artist, December 20th through the 30th. It's A Christmas Carol, and it's starring Guy Masterson. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.